Well, hello, everyone. I'm Luke. Peace to you as you prepare for Christmas this week. I hope you make plans to join Mountain for Christmas services. We're looking forward to the candlelight services outdoors, four nights running, and the online experience will be special as well. You can do it from comfort of your own home. You've been spending a lot of time there, no doubt. Tell your friends, share the link, bundle up, join us outside. It'll be a Christmas unlike any other, but a Christmas worth remembering, I think. Uh, we, uh, we heard from uh, Ruby a couple weeks back. She lives in North Carolina. Uh, some mountain folks had met her just over two years ago. Uh, she wasn't in her house then, and she's still not. A temporary arrangement has been the story of her life since September 2018. That's when we met her. A team from Mountain went down to North Carolina after Hurricane Florence dropped over 30 inches of rain and destroyed her house, flooded over the roof. <laughs> Are you kidding me? 30 inches? I remember in middle school in Iowa, where I lived, we, we got a record rainfall of 10 inches, which obliterated the previous record of like seven something. Our, our whole yard flooded. The water was coming in the, the front door. That, that was 10 inches, a record. They got more than 30 inches. So yeah, just devastated the region. Everything Ruby owned, her possessions just all strewn about in shambles. Life looks pretty dif different after that, after a disaster. When you're overcome by a force that, that makes it painfully clear, life will never be the same again. And so much of what you had, you're not getting back. It, it's fair to say that 2020 has been such a force. It, it, has, it has not hit us all to the same degree, maybe, but if anyone says 2020 has been a disaster, I mean, we all know what they mean. We've not all been infected, but we've all been affected. Our lives have been flooded with change. Many are afraid. And even if you're not, you know people who are. There is heightened fear. It influences the conversations you have and the plans that we make. Many are in despair. Even if you're not, you know people who are. All could be calm and bright in your house, but there, there is enough shaken up in the world to put us all on edge. I mean, millions suffering and dead. Uncertainty with the market, the climate, the virus, the schools, jobs, everything has been upset. And even those who dodged hurricanes can feel like the, the water is up over the, the roof right now and you're, you're completely submerged just trying to get a breath. And others feel more like you, you're standing in the yard looking at everything you own soaked and muddy and out of place and half of it missing with no idea how you would even begin to put life back together again. It's a disaster. <laughs> it's dispiriting. It's demoralizing. No, we're in search of good news. I know, I want to be cheery too. I, it's almost Christmas. <laughs> but where, where have you had to come to grips this year with, with life being upended? What about this year has forced upon you the thought that life may not be the same again? Or about what have you been saying? What a disaster. What, what a mess. How is that ever going to get fixed. I don't know where your mind goes when you consider that. Like, you, you could be thinking on at least three levels, I suppose. Like, like first, like the world out there, uh, on the grandest scale, all the problems, societally, systemically, environmentally, it, it's the world out there, but we're part of it. I have shuddered in the face of, of the bad news. 2020 set a record for the most named storms on record, uh, meaning the most, uh, or at least tropical storm strength. Hurricane Sally notable among them, which also generated 30 inches of rain. 
A lot of us in the East have been praying for people we know out West where the country has been ablaze. Fires have so far burned more than 4 million acres across California, more than doubling the previous record. The virus has taken its toll all year long to the point that the first week of December, it was reported to be the leading cause of death in the United States. Like with many crises, people in communities of color have had disproportionate stress because they're more likely to be in vulnerable situations, compounding the suffering, whether it's from COVID or, or displacement from storms. That's to say nothing of, of the crises worldwide, monsoons and typhoons and refugees fleeing violence and unrest in communities across the globe because of, of racial injustice and more. It's, it's so much. Maybe you're numb to it by now. I've tried to resist that. But I, but I understand, you know, may, maybe your mind can't go there because of what's going on in, you know, the world around you. Like your world of family and, and friends and relationships and school and work. You're not thinking about the millions who've died, but the one or, or the few right in your circle. Or, or the carnage that you're shorting, they're sorting through. It's the damage that's been done in, in your marriage. It's your job that's been taken away in, in this storm. The, the news headlines don't tell the story of the disaster that has hit your world. Or maybe the biggest mess that you're trying to overcome is, is the world within. Like your own, your own psyche, like emotional health, spirit, spiritual health, your internal world is unraveling and, and you're not sure how to fix it. The, the storm is beating against the outside of the house, but it's, it's raging inside as well and you, you got nothing solid to hold on to. So yes, we need some good news at every level. We crave it all the more right now in this season, in this year. When we're wondering if, when, when we're trying to believe that the Christmas story is more than just candy canes and gingerbread. That it has a true depth, a real strength and, and substance behind sentimental feelings. That, that it makes a difference. When, when our world doesn't just have disasters, it is a disaster. It does Christmas does what God is doing and has done in Jesus, born in Bethlehem, actually mean something. To actually change something in the world, in my world, for me. When life's a disaster, you need more than just good vibes. You need good news. And uh, you know how a weatherman drives down to the coast when a hurricane's coming in and they're doing their report from there? Yeah. Well, I figured we would go right to the heart of the most disastrous place in the Bible. Um, I've been reading, uh, spending some time lately in the Old Testament prophets. Names like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, you might recognize them. And, and they speak with, oh, just an intensity. Commensurate with the pressure-packed and, and life-altering circumstances that they faced. Quite simply, their world fell apart. <laughs> Everything came undone. This is the time of the exile. If you're, if you're following the Bible's storyline, there was the exodus. That was a great triumph for God's people. And they were set free and promised a new land. The exile, a few hundred years later, was the ultimate crash and burn when their cities were smashed and burned and God's people were deported from that land to a foreign place. We have our, our 2020 memes of dumpster fires and all that. And just after 600 BC, the, the prophets were very picturesque in how they described what was going on in the world around them. Jeremiah says in uh, Jeremiah chapter 9, death has climbed in through the windows. It has entered our fortresses. It has removed the children from the streets. 
and young men from the public squares. Dead bodies, it's like dung on the open field, like cut grain behind the reaper, but no one to gather them. Uh, Isaiah paints this picture. Isaiah chapter 1. This is the picture that he sees when he looks at God's people, Israel. He says, your whole head is injured. Your, your whole heart is afflicted. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there's, there's no soundness, only wounds, welts, and open sores. And they're, they're not even cleansed. They're bandaged. They're soothed with, with oil. Your, your country is desolate. Your cities burned with fire. Your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you as laid waste when overthrown by strangers. It, it, it's, it's a disaster. An all-encompassing disaster to, to the point that maybe the most vivid image is presented before Ezekiel. Ezekiel 37, he says, The hand of the Lord was on me. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley. And it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were very dry. They're very dry. Long dead. Super dead. No, no life in them at all. Just dry bones. Strewn about. Left to decay. I haven't seen that meme yet. Maybe you would use it. Maybe the intensity of your experience is, is captured in, in this scene, pictured right here. Like when you think about the things that you've lost, the hopes that have died, the consequences of mistakes, an utter disaster. Things that began so beautifully came to a bitter end. And when you look around right now, you're, you're reminded. Ezekiel is reminded of the gravity of what he's experienced. A disaster at every level. Yes, pe people have died. Individuals, these were bodies, once with, with heart, mind, and soul, but no trace of those things remain. But not just individuals, this, these were a community of people, a community whom God had created and, and created a special relationship with them, likened to a marriage. Each had pledged themselves to the other to be faithful. And over and over again, and over again, God remained faithful. And over and over again, and over again, God's partnering people were not. They wanted to end it, and end it did. A messy divorce. All of the possessions, the holy city, Jerusalem destroyed and plundered, like, like scattered all over the lawn. God's not staying in the house. The, te the temple, it's toppled to the ground. Dry bones announced the life is gone from what we had together. The identity of these people as God's people has been forfeited. Life as they know it is obliterated. And if, and if the life of this community is gone, then death threatens the rest of the world as well. And again, you, you got to track with the Bible story a little bit here. The, these were people God chose for a purpose, to be a light to the nations, Abraham's descendants, people through whom God would bless the whole world, heal the curse of sin and death. If the vehicle carrying the blessing goes over the edge and lies in pieces all over the valley, then the hopes of the world have dried up. There isn't a solution to the violence and hatred and injustice and deceit. No one to bind up the brokenhearted and set the oppressed free. No light to shine. No salve to heal. No truth to guide. It's a complete 
disaster. And then the Lord said to Ezekiel, Son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel said, Sovereign Lord, you, you alone know. A curious exchange. Like that God asks the question. That's the question we're wondering. I mean, if we have hope enough to ask, could anything be done? Could this disaster be restored? Could what's dead return to life? I mean, nothing, nothing about it says so. And, and Ezekiel's non-committal answer, like he, he's hedging maybe. But I mean, come on, can you blame him? I mean, he's seen what ha- what's happened to his people. He gets the graphic illustration. Can these bones live? I've never seen anything that hopeless. But I struggle to find hope in the face of the magnitude of what we have seen and heard this year. I've never had to live through what what Ruby lived through. Her whole community, her whole livelihood engulfed and wrecked. And then to multiply that out by, by thousands of people and billions of dollars of damage and the devastation caused to impoverished communities, stuff Stuff like that, it, 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 just, it just flattens me. <laughs> like I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be uh, melodramatic, but I'm just like, this is what it does. When, when I hear something like that, I watch it on the news, I see the images on the screen, and I just, I'm just powerless. I think about the millions of people who are living as refugees around the world. Ezekiel was a refugee. There's 80 million of them in, in, in the world and often resettled in these, these overcrowded camps, just deplorable conditions. That's where mothers are giving birth. That's where kids are growing up. That's where people are celebrating Christmas. Oppressive systems polarized politics, corrupt governments multiply suffering the world over. Who fixes that? It's too big. Mental health crisis, so big. Even shrink it all the way down to a boy in our community sitting on the bed of a hotel room where he lives, trying to do school on a laptop with his mother passed out on the other bed. It's a disaster in the making. I mean, what flattens you? Is, is, is it anxiety? Depression, shame and and guilt, is is it something in here? Is is it in here? Or or in your your world, uh, a dead end, a breakup, a screw up? Or or are you, you feeling the weight of the world, just desperate to know what fixes it? And you're wondering if the the faith that you say you have means anything in the face of a world that is groaning in pain. Can these bones live? 
the, the Christmas story does not provide any easy answers. Christmas is not a quick fix. It's not a gimmick. There's no band-aids that can just make it better. The Christmas story is a testimony that the God who created the world is still involved in it. Christmas is a witness to a God who is not oblivious to the, the pain and the death and the curse, the disasters that, that, that haunt us, but, but that that God has acted and is acting and will act to do something about it. The God who is with us in Christ the Lord is the God who is with Ezekiel in the valley. And he is painting a picture that is fundamental to who God is, that is something that only God can do. God said to Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. So Ezekiel said, I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise a rattling sound, and the, the bones came together and bone to bone, and I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then the Lord said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath entered them, and they came to life. They, they stood up on their feet. It was a vast army. And then he said to me, son of man, the, these, these bones, they're the people of Israel. And they, they, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is gone, and we're cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign, sovereign Lord says, my people, my people. I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. And then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. That I have done it, declares the Lord. This is one of the most compelling visions of the whole Bible, I think. And again, we, we receive it not as a magic wand or a pill that just makes everything go away, but as a testimony of a God who restores, who, who resurrects, who puts back together that which is beyond repair. This God has made himself known in history, not shying away from the ugliest parts of it, but was at work in the midst of those things. Not least when he embraced the harsh reality of the first Christmas and showed up. This says something to me. When I am paralyzed in the face of things that I can't fix or understand. 
First, it calls me to be humble. There are things beyond my control, beyond my ability to corral. I, I am not the one who corralled the waters at creation. That was God. God's spirit was hovering over the chaos. That's the image on the first page of the Bible. From him, life and order were brought forth. That's the same image again here in Ezekiel. God's creative power is still calling things into being. The breath, the spirit of God does not fall flat in the face of death and calamity. It has the power to animate and bring life from the dead. I can't do that. And if disasters, if the disasters of this world cause me to shudder, then I can begin to recognize my need for God, the world's need for God. And understand that we need God breaking into our world. I need God breaking into my world, into my heart, into my relationships, in my decision-making, in my priorities. I must be humble enough to receive the God who did break in at Christmas and just say, I need you. I need you to breathe life in me. Which brings me to the place of, of being honest. The contention of the Bible is that the world's got a sin problem. Okay? However it's dressed up, sin is at the heart of it. And the wages of sin is death, to put it bluntly, like the Bible does. Now, now we can't mean this rigidly, like any given disaster that befalls us is the result of some specific sin. I mean, well, sure, okay, in some cases it is. And when it's obvious, well, then be honest. Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel are trying to help God's people see that in their case, their sin led to their downfall. It had specific consequences. But none of that should be used to suggest that people who get swept away in tsunamis had it coming to them, or Ruby could have prevented her house from flooding if she wasn't such a sinner. No, nothing, nothing like that. That's not what the Bible's teaching us here. Okay. But just, we'll just speak in Bible terms. The ground is cursed because of human rebellion. The world has been subject to decay. It's out of sorts. It's broken. We're out of sorts. We're broken. All creation is groaning in the travail of a woman in labor. To toil in this world is to be entangled in sin that leads to death. Left to our own devices, apart from the breath of God, no matter what we build or accomplish, we are as good as dead. And when we're honest about that, then we can understand what the good news truly is. It's not that Jesus came to make bad people good and good people better. No, Jesus came to make dead people alive. If the wages of sin weren't death, then we wouldn't need a savior. We just, we just need a life coach or something. If the impact of sin in our world, in the environment, in our governments and systems and communities and families, in our bodies and minds and souls, if it didn't lead to death, well, then we would just need some good advice or a handout once in a while. But if the wages of sin is death, then we all need to be remade, recreated. Be honest about what you want. Do, do you just want a few helpful tips from God? Or do you want a complete renovation of the heart? We didn't read Ezekiel 36. That's what God wants to give God's people, a new heart. Do, do you just want your immediate problems fixed, or do you want more than anything to be restored by God? Return 
to God with everything you are this Christmas. Repent as, as the Spirit directs. Because even if houses take a long time to rebuild or peace is a long time in coming, what makes new life possible is being restored to God. And that makes us hopeful, which is what so many of us are trying to be right now. It's what we're grasping for. With God in the game, and again, the, the witness of the Bible is that God continues to stay in the game long after everyone else quits on him. Okay? With God in the game, nothing is beyond repair. New life can always spring forth when God's spirit is allowed in, even from the ashes. A fresh start is always possible. Even after the, the extreme language in the prophets, if you read them, it's seen, they speak with such finality and judgment sometimes, but just as extreme, coming in just as full force is God's offer of grace and forgiveness. Even greater is God's willingness to redeem. Even greater is God's power to restore. There's hope right now for you because God has not abandoned you. Just as God didn't abandon those who were living as refugees in a foreign land, grieving the life that they had lost. The dry bones coming to life testify you can't screw up beyond God's ability to restore. And they give us hope. They give us hope in what God is bringing about. Ben, ben preached a whole message on this uh, two weeks ago on hope. Uh, we're, we're overlapping some here, but that's okay. This is the good news that we celebrate. You know, all the things that we long for in, in this broken down world. Like, can, can these bones live? Can wrongs be set right? Can violence cease? Can peace reign? Can enemies reconcile? Can marriages be saved? Can children be rescued? Can justice roll down like rivers? The God who brought life at creation is answering yes with new creation. Just like in this valley, just like in the tomb, when the Spirit breathed life into Jesus and called him out of the grave. Just like what happens when a person welcomes God's Spirit into their life and they become a new creature. If anyone is in Christ, there is new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All of that is a foretaste and a sign of the restoration that is to come. And the nations will be healed and the seas will be still. And the dead will be raised with bodies that don't decay. Full restoration is coming. I can't engineer it. I'm just crazy enough to trust the one who promises that someday it will come into being. You know, you know the song, Joy to the World? Before it was attached to Christmas, the, the first coming of Jesus, it was actually written about the second coming, celebrating the restoration of all things. The third verse, the one you don't know because it never gets sung. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is bound. The real presence of the resurrected Jesus now gives assurance of the day to come. And until then, I hold on. There's a call to resilience. I, I don't know for how long the world will groan. Nor do I have answers for every fire that consumes or wave that destroys or darkness that haunts us. 
I don't draw the boundaries for evil, and I grieve deeply when it lashes out. But I'm given courage by the good news that it will not last forever. I, I take it to mean something. When Paul says in Romans 8, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed within us. And I, I experience God's strength when even through groaning and waiting, I am given the ability to endure. I can say the Spirit helps me in my weakness. And even when I don't know how to pray or what to think, God's very Spirit intercedes for me with sighs too deep for words as I wait for God to bring to birth what God has promised. We're all waiting. Ruby is waiting for the restoration of all things and her things. <laughs> In her recent note back to us, uh, to one of the team members, uh, people who had helped her when they were down there, she said this, I have more patience now. I don't let not being in my house worry me. I just thank God that things are as good as they are. It won't be as long as it has been. I keep on thanking God for the different groups that came to help me. It really means a lot in my life. But, but you are the only one who stayed in touch with me, and that really means a lot to me. Thank you so much. Which I hope is enough encouragement to not be totally demoralized that we can't fix everything, but to be a willing partner with the God who restores and do whatever we can. Clean up messes, hug the lonely, care for the sick, lift up the poor. We ourselves are a restored people. And if the Spirit has done His work in us, then the Spirit wants to work through us. For that is a testimony to a world groaning in pain that God is not done with this place yet. Dry bones can live. Wounds can be healed. Enemies can become friends. Homes can be restored. Dead people come back to life.